So uh, if you have your bulletin, grab it. I want to read this over us because all of James, but in particular today, we're talking about patience. Um, that this is super important because I think that that of a it's probably due it from a from a spiritual standpoint when you are impatient it's probably due to a lack of faith it's it's a lack of of believing these things um so uh on your bulletin the the truth side faith is believe and this is stuff I've, I've read at least four times and i think five this will be the the fifth or sixth time i've read this over us um so in fact actually i don't want to read this over us let's read this together if we could all right so faith is believing that god is who he says he is He is the only thing that can completely satisfy you. He is your father. He is full of grace. He is full of mercy. He is full of love. He wants to bring you love, joy, peace, patience. He is sovereign. He will give you only good things. He wants to have intimate relationship with you. He is your help in times of trouble. He is good. God will do what he says he will do. He will love you with a steadfast love. He will never leave or forsake you. He will protect you. He has good plans to give you a future and hope. He will supply all of your needs. He will take your burden from you. He has an inheritance waiting for you that cannot perish, spoil, or fade. His grace that he has given is enough to cover all of your sin. He will do good to you. I am who God says I am. I am adopted as a son of God. I am loved always. I am his possession. I am his workmanship. I am holy and blameless. I am more than a conqueror. I am an heir with Christ. I am continually being prayed for by Jesus. I am fully redeemed. All my sin is paid for. I am welcome into the presence of God at all times. I'm a friend of God. I am the recipient of his goodness. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, these truths. Thank you for the scripture that you've given to us that has revealed these truths to us, Father. God, thank you for just the, the corporate reading of that, that we get to gather together as a church, as North Church to make those statements among one another, Father. And God, I I thank you for the community that you've built and the community that you're continuing to build that allows us to make these statements together and and remind one another, spur one another on towards a greater, more substantial faith and trust that you are all of those things. You are who you say you are, and we are who you say we are. And you do what you say you will do. God, I pray that you would just press that into the the depths of our spirits and our souls, that that it might flow from us as we interact with this world. We might trust that you are all of those things. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen. Um, So the verses 7 through 11 of James chapter 5, and by the way, this is the second to last. Next week, we'll wrap up James um, with the, the rest of it. But this one you guys remember, I haven't done this in the last two or three sermons, but uh, James is a series of pearls that are dropped into the minds of the hearer. Um, and today there's one pearl for us to, to deal with, and it's just to be patient. Um, James is full of commands. Uh, throughout the entire book, there's, it's, it's just chuck full of commands. More commands than verses appear in the book of James. And 
Today, there's, there's one simple command. There's several commands, but there's one that, that is, is kind of at the top, and it's to be patient. So to follow Jesus with the faith that James is calling us to follow Jesus with is to, to be patient. Um, so patient, I, I, I did a word study this week on what patience means, and it's a, a Greek word that's a compound word, macrothumeo. Um, and it's interesting um, that when, look at the, so patient is macrothumeo, and macro and thumeo, you can probably see like our words, micro and macro, right? And then thumeo has to do with, with temperature. So to be patient means to have this long, it takes you a long time to get agitated. And this is what James is commanding the follower of Christ to be, to take a long time to get agitated. So I, I started the sermon with that discussion about faith and had us each read that together because I want us to have, without that sort of substantial, strong faith, we don't have any hope to be patient. Do you see how if believe, truly believing that God is who he says he is and does what he says he will do, and I am who God says I am, those things, the result has to be patience, right? Like when bad things happen to us, if we truly believe that God is who he says he is, all the stuff that we just read over one another, if we truly believe that, patience has to be the, the result of that. Um, so be patient. Reading here from verse 7, be patient. Very simple. Take a long time to get agitated. Therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord... See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. So he says, be patient three times in, in a, a, a short little amount of time. Well, be patient twice and being patient another time. Um, and he uses the illustration of, of the farmer. Um, here, here's the... Ben and I were just, were just laughing as several of you have talked about the, the football game today. Wow, it's going to be great weather. And as we were looking at the weather, like two weeks ago, oh man, it could get really cold. And then even at the beginning of this week, it could get really cold. And, and tomorrow it's going to be what, like 25 degrees or something stupid like that. Um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend those who like cold. I'm trying to not do that anymore. Um, uh, but it would have been harder to be out there today in like 15 degrees. And so we're worried about it. And, and Ben jokes that he saw the 60-day forecast and saw that today was going to be a great day. So we decided to, to do that. But ultimately, we don't have any control over the weather, right? Look at the, let's, let's go back here, the middle of verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit, being patient about it. The farmer has no control over the weather. Too much rain and its crops are going to rot. Too little rain, and its crops are going to wither. Too cold, and they'll, they'll freeze. Too hot, and, and they'll scorch. So the farmer has, has no control over the weather. And this, James is inserting this to a culture that was completely dependent upon farming. We're not... 
Well, we are, but not nearly as much as, as they were, and, and probably not much as we realize, dependent upon farming. Um, so this idea, a farmer cannot control the weather, uh, makes a farmer both patient but also dependent. I want you to think about that. The, the farmer is, is patient and dependent. Um, and not just, but life has taught him to be both patient and dependent. And, and I want you to like get in the shoes of, of the farmer and understand that, that life is making him patient and dependent and, and the stuff that's going on in your world, even the bad stuff and probably even especially the bad stuff is God making you patient and dependent. Um, and at the heart of, of the need for James to tell you to be patient is an inner desire for you to have control. Um, do we have any people that struggle with uh, needing to have control? I'm not going to. My wife is really staring at me right now. And people are raising their hands. But at the heart of a need for control is a lack of faith. Right? You believe one of, one of three things ultimately. First, God can't control your situation. If you need to have control, you ultimately probably believe that God can't control your situation. Or maybe believe that God just isn't good. Or you believe that you are better at understanding what's good for you than God is. Um, but at the heart of this, James is calling you to stop trying to control what you can't control. That's the, the farmer can't control the weather. You can't control what's going on in your circumstances. Stop trying. Um, then... Uh, Skip down to verse 8. You also, be patient. Establish your hearts. This word establish means to fix or place firmly or make stable. Um, I want to give this illustration of, in, in, in the context of, of faith and being in control, to, to firmly establish. Establish your hearts means this. Um, back when we first moved into our house, when it would rain hard, water would come into our basement. The rain would come into our basement. And uh, I did some, some study and research about why, and it's because if you've been to our house before, you know there's a creek that kind of runs in our backyard and then comes over the house next door to us. And so, like, that's the, the city of Ferguson's um, storm water system is the creek. And so since we're so close to the creek, all of the water is kind of draining. We're at the bottom of the hill. All the water is kind of draining down there. So that's strike one, that we're at the bottom of the hill next to the creek. Secondly is we're, our, our foundation, our basement is made of, of concrete blocks, and concrete blocks are porous. So water comes into the concrete block and then out the pores of the concrete and into our basement. So what, it, what would happen was we would have these... The water would be forcing its way, trying to find the lowest spot, which was our basement, and, and trying to force its way through the porous holes. And then they would 
a, a tiny little pour would become a bigger pour and like even bigger than like a, a, a pencil eraser and a, maybe two pencil erasers and, and water is just kind of, when it rains hard, it's just pouring into our basement. Um, and we've got a lot of stuff in our basement, a lot of boxes, a lot of bins, a lot of like dirty clothes, you know, waiting to be clean, laying in the basement. Uh, and so whenever it would rain, Jen and I would like panic we got to get downstairs and lift everything up off of the ground. we got to get downstairs and, and pick up all of the, put everything in the inner plastic bin so it's not going to get wet. And many times we went down there and just the, the basement was ankle deep in water. And no matter what you do, there's stuff's going to get ruined. And so now we're like, what do we do? Like, we, we, need to, we need to store this stuff down there. But also, what if it starts raining and we're not home? We can't lift everything up. We can't bring everything upstairs. And, and then we've got this massive cleanup deal because it, the rainwater brings this film of dirt all over the basement, and then we've got to clean it. It was just really hard. Then this happened. Um, we got a, a tax refund check of like $2,500 one year, which was right about the cost it was to put in a drain tile and sump pump system into our basement. So we're like, this is perfect. Let's do that. So we did it. We put drain tile and a sump pump in our basement, and then when the water would start pouring in, all the water would go into this drain tile, which would make its way down to the low spot in the corner where the sump pump would pump it out into the backyard. Perfect. It was great. But when the power was off to the house, the sump pump's not working, and therefore it's, it, it doesn't work. And so the water just comes up out of the, out of the, the basin that the sump pump is in, and nothing happens. Um, so we've learned how to... How to overcome that when power is out, what, what we can do. But here's, here's the thing. Like immediately after we put the drain tile system in and the sump pump in, whenever it would rain, we were so trained to be, oh my gosh, I got to get downstairs and fix it. I got to get downstairs and, and put all the stuff up high. Or I got to get downstairs and, and, and try and plug the holes. And by the way, before we got the drain pump system, I tried to f- take this like epoxy and squeeze it into the hole, but that would work for like, 45 minutes and another hole would pop up or force the epoxy out and it just wouldn't work. So I tried to fix it and I couldn't. Um, and, but, but at, so fast forward then the drain towel system and, and sump pump are in and it's great. Everything is wonderful. But when it would rain, we were, we had trained ourselves to have to run down there and then we'd go and run down there and the sump is just working. Uh, and it, then occasionally, as the days would go by, it would start raining again, you could hear the sump pump kick on and working. And when that would happen, Jen and I would literally just look at each other and just, oh. Because, like, it saved us lots of money to replace stuff. It saved us lots of time to, to lift stuff off the ground. It saved us lots of frustration and cleaning and all that stuff. And, and now, when it rains, we don't even think about it. And that's what it means to establish your heart. Initially, I'm trying to control something that I can't control. Then my heart isn't established because God provided something that I don't trust. And, and I think that's where we lie and that's at the heart of, of where we're at here is, is me. The drain towel system is in, but when it's raining, I still am not trusting that the drain towel system is going to work. But eventually, through the course of, of life and watching rain happen for the last like 10 years, 
and, and water not coming in our basement anymore, I've learned that the drain tile system and the sump pump are going to provide the, the way out. And that's what it means. So now my heart is established in faith in that sump pump system. And this is what this means. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. Trust that God is who he says he is and does what he says he will do. And you are who he says you are. Trust in that. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Don't grumble against one another. By the way, the result of having a lack of faith and needing control is grumbling. When you're frustrated, you tend to grumble. When you don't trust who God is, you tend to grumble. Verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of, of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets. The prophets were a group of people who were most, most of them, most of your biblical prophets were either killed or tortured for speaking the words of God. So, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, look at the prophets. They spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, and behind, by the way, behold means everybody pay attention. I'm about to say something important. So James says, everybody pay attention. I'm about to say something important. We consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Look at the, the way he says that. We consider those blessed who remained steadfast. When you remain steadfast, when you are, are firmly established, when you are fixed, when you have this patience, God gives his grace and his peace to you. We consider those blessed who remain steadfast. That makes me want to remain steadfast. Second half of verse 11. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord's compassion, compassion, Lord is compassionate and merciful. Um, put the, the Job passage up there. This is how Job ends. Um, the book of Job, uh, at the beginning, Satan asks God if he can tempt Job. And God says, yes, you can. You can do anything you want to him, but don't touch him. So God takes his wife, he takes his children, he takes his wealth, and he takes all of his happiness from him. Deep suffering for Job. And this is the result. This is the response. Um, starting in verse 12. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than in his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys, he had also seen the sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the daughter Geminiah, and the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third, I can't pronounce you, verse 16, verse 15, and all in the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers, and after Job lived 140 years and saw his sons and his son's sons, four generations. And Job died, an old man, full of days. 
James is calling you to have the patience of Job in the midst of suffering. And he's calling you to have the patience of Job not, not so that he can give to you, not so that he can take from you, not for, not for your circumstances. He's calling you to have the patience of Job because patience means that you trust that he's good and does what he says he will do and is who he says he is and, and, and you are who he says you are. This is the result of patience. And this is the heart of what James is trying to get at. I want you to think with me for a second. We're gonna conclude with suffering. Um, and, and we're gonna conclude with this idea of suffering that whatever is happening in your world, just like Job, and mo- when I say Job, mo- you, don't, you don't go to, to that, right? You go to a suffering. Um, so whatever you are working on, are working through, whatever pain or stress or difficulty or hardship or suffering that you experience in this moment or in these moments, in this season of your life, it's not the end of the story. Just like with Job, it's not the end of the story. And this is what James is trying to teach you. And again, remember, James has written this thing to his church and he's ending now. Like this is the last thing that he's leaving with these people. He's, he's gone on about faith for four and a half chapters, and now he's talking about this is the result, this is the, the, the gold that you hold when you have faith, and it's patience in suffering just like Job had. So whatever it is that you're walking through, it's not the end of the story. Is it pain? Is it loneliness? Is it fear? Is it a broken relationship? Whatever it is, it's not the end of the story. Here's the good news. Cheesy pastor phrase coming, Jesus is the end of the story. Your suffering isn't. Now I want you to think about this idea. Not only is is your suffering not the end of the story, Jesus is, but I want you to think about Christ on the cross. And all those things that I just read, pain, loneliness, fear, broken relationship. Chances are somebody, all of us here, have some sort of suffering that's happening in our world that relates to those things. Pain, loneliness, fear, broken relationship. And I want you to know that on the, literally on the cross, Jesus dealt with all four of those things. Jesus dealt with them knowing that it's not the final word. He endured those things. He endured the cross and the pain, the, the, the literal physical pain, he endured it. Loneliness. Last week we said, we read the passage in Matthew 26 where all the disciples ran from him, fled from him, deserted him. Jesus was deserted. Are you lonely? Understand that Jesus was lonely. Fear. Jesus, in the, in the garden, asked that the cup be passed from him. I don't want to have to do this. Broken relationship. And that moment when he took on the sin of the world, remember what he said, Father, where, why have you forsaken me? There was broken relationship for the first time 
in all eternity past. Yet, he willingly endured the cross because he had faith that his father was good. And really, that's, that's the point of, of our existence, is God teaching us. Even that's the point of, of our suffering and our hardship, so that it might be an opportunity for God to say to you, I got this, and, I, and just trust me. Just like a farmer waiting for his crops, being patient. God is calling you to be patient, and he's showing you the cross as the ultimate example of what it means to be patient and have faith through patience. Let's pray. God, thank you. Oh, God, thank you that you are so good. God, thank you for these wonderful examples and the incredible writing of James to teach us about faith, Father. Lord, I pray you would give us a great dose of faith. God, I pray that you would increase our faith. Lord, I thank you even for the hardships that that we've experienced as individuals and as families and as a, a, a church. I thank you for those hardships that have taught us that you are in control of our lives. God, I I pray for each of us here individually, Father, to trust that you are in control of our lives. And Lord, would you teach us to be patient with what's happening to us? And God, as we expand a little bit to, to, to see our families, Father, I pray that you would teach us that you are in control of everything that's happening in our families, from marriages that are struggling to parent-child relationships to sibling relationships to, to all of that, Father. I pray that you would teach us that you are using suffering as a tool to teach us to have more faith, more trust, that you are good and you do good. And God, even wider into this church, Father, I pray that you would sow seeds of faith in us to trust that you are doing good. You are are bringing about hard things and suffering to teach us to trust you. God, give us faith. Give us your goodness. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his perfect name that I pray. Amen. As we enter into our time of response this morning, we'd like to lay out the opportunities that you have to respond. We invite you to sing songs that have been chosen to help us connect and proclaim with what we've heard this morning. We want you to know there are people in the back who are waiting to pray with you. We invite you to sit and process, pray silently, or journal if you'd like. We also invite you in your timing to come to our tables up front. Our offering bowl is on the table. This is for our members and regular attenders to give back to what God has given them to further the mission of our church. If you're a guest, we do not want you to feel any pressure to give. Lastly and most importantly, we want each person to engage with Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection each time they come to North Church. 
So if you've trusted Christ to be your Savior, you are invited and welcome to come to the table to commune with the broken body and shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin. Please respond to God in your time.
praise you when we receive blessings from you. And God, I, I pray that we would praise you when we receive suffering. God, that we would see them both as gifts that you're pouring down upon us as evidence of your love and your grace and your mercy. We love you, Father. Amen. So I, I pray for you guys that God would continue to strengthen your faith and you would see him working in your faith. Um, go and have a great day and then we'll see you at three o'clock and we're going to play some football. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> <Game over. laughs> see you later. <laughs>